Good morning. God bless you. It's a good day. Amen. I streamed, I was in church yesterday for about five hours <laughs> between the memorial service and, uh, and then listening to Wednesday's service and Brother Michael was preaching and how I thank God for that, uh, for the way it was delivered. And we were away, uh, my wife and I, visiting her sister who's passed in her ni- early 90s, actually. And uh, <clears throat> it was just quite an experience to see most of the people that are in wheelchairs or something and see you walk in to the service. And uh, however we walk in, whether we walk in stable or straight or erect or or march in, whatever, it's it's good. And it's good to hear uh, Sister Woolman's testimony. Yeah. Well, we thank God for that. And that two of the sons that she bore are able to be here as deacons and their families. We are so thankful to God for those things. And it takes a, it's a, one, one of the advantages of, of uh, living a few years is that you're able to look back and uh, you can see and how God has led. And we can say, he's led me all the way. And some of you that are being led right now, you might think, well, uh, I don't know about tomorrow. You don't have to know about tomorrow. He knows about tomorrow. <laughs> and he's he, he's guiding. And I, I thought of, I, I've been putting dots together, you know, just drawing lines between the dots. So I said to my wife, I said, you know, if my mother hadn't passed away when I was six and a half, I said, I wouldn't have moved here. And if I hadn't moved here, I said, we would not have gotten married. And if we had not moved here, I would have not met uh, Brother Bud Southwick. And if I hadn't met Brother Bud Southwick, I would have never taken Brother Branham up there to hunt. And so now all of those connections come together and we're drawing the lines and we think, oh, uh, such terrible things are happening to us. But have faith in God. He is drawing the lines between the points that are necessary and whatever we're called on to go through, he'll give us grace for it. And we'll look back on it and say, it wasn't a defeat, it was a victory. Amen. Look how God handles and conducts his affairs. We're having Brother Fabriano here coming this week, and I believe he'll be here Sunday, next Sunday. And uh, they, they didn't say anything. Brother Tim and Brother Tom said to me that they didn't say anything about, they're looking after everything. I said, that might be fine. But on the other hand, we do have a right to know uh, about some of the things. Because I just have to tell you as a congregation, you look at these, this building here, you look at the lights, you look at the musical instruments and those that are here, and you look at those that are around you. You that are just started in school, you've been enrolled in school, 
and you that are teachers are involved one way or another in the school, all of those things are because of one little statement. It's called the Great Commission. And the prophet of God happened to say in 1955, and he also said it 10 years later in 1965, he said the, 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 the church in its present condition, it's a promise of God. It's been promised by God. So all of God's promises are not for blessings. Some of them are to tell us about tragedies and so on. And he said the church in its condition is promised in the word of God. And the church in its condition could never bring forth the bride of Jesus Christ and could never fulfill the great commission of go into all the world and preach the gospel. Now you're going to see Brother Fabriano. But you're... Right back here is Brother John Lay. Would you stand up, Brother John, please? Here's one of your brothers. He's one of your co-workers. You know what his work is? Mm -hmm. He went from Singapore or from Hong Kong, which is in a lot of trouble right now, into, and a lot of you people are very keenly interested, and I'm very interested in this. And he, he went with a pack sack. I've, a, I've had a picture of the pack sack. And in the pack sack, he picked up a bunch of books and crossed the border. These are message books. Just listen. And then he stood outside of the Three Self Church and handed out the books, the message books. And that's how some of your relatives have come in. And some of you that are here and keenly interested in what's happening in China. But you know, they've closed the borders for some things and taken the Bibles off, but they're a little bit late. The word's already gotten out, and the seed is already stirring the hearts of the people. And we're so thankful for that. Well, it said it hasn't reached everybody. Of course it hasn't reached, but it reaches the elect. And that's God's business. And I know I said to our our daughters, our three daughters, we've said, uh, if God can't hold them, we can't hold them. You know, it's not for everybody, but it is for those that are supposed to be there. Brother Richard Drake, I thought of you today. I wonder if you'd stand and your wife with you. See this couple here? Well, you just see them walking in and say, well, Brother Richard, he's Sunday school superintendent. Hey, here's a fellow that has shipped week after week after week after week Tons and tons and tons. I think the last I heard, Brother Richard, was about 10 tons that went to the Ukraine or to Siberia or whatever more. And you have gone over there, and here's a man who shipped tons and tons and tons of clothing to people who needed it. God bless you. Amen. I thought of the different people, and that's why I wanted to stand up here, because 
uh, as Brother Tom was praying for us before we came out, his first opening line in his prayer was something to do with the Great Commission. And this morning, early, I was thinking, before I arose, of the Great Commission, and I went into my office, and I thought, I wonder when Brother Branham first talked about the Great Commission. And in 1955, you say, well, that's a long time ago. Just hang on. At not even a breath with God. And he said, after we are risen with him, we have the Great Commission to go into all the world and bring these tidings to the others. So there's some more. There's the others out there. And then in 1964, 65, I think it is in the Invisible Union, he said, I shall read the Great Commission. So he reads it, and then just before he goes home in November of uh, 1965, he said, Now everybody knows that we have a promise of the church condition in the last days. In the last day. The church in its present condition can never. So I'd like the church to say never. Never. Can never fulfill the commandment of God. The church in its present condition Aren't you glad God didn't leave you back in that condition? You could never fulfill the Great Commission. And he says, uh, the commandments of God, the, uh, the Great Commission, could never call the bride out. The Great Commission that was being preached back then could never call the bride out. Which one would do it? He says, the Pentecostals. I should say not. None of you, none of the rest of them, that's the shuck that's on the wheat. That come out, looked just exactly like the wheat, but there was no wheat to it. It ought, it opens up. Now we, we think about all the Great Commission, isn't it wonderful? Well, yeah, it can be. It can be tough. It can be difficult. You're going to see the brother from Brazil here. Now, I want you to pay strict attention. When you see Brother Fabronio here, I didn't know him at all. I didn't know him from anybody. But I got an invitation. I don't even know how the invitation came. To come down to Brazil. Brazil? What? I never dreamed of going to Brazil. So we went to Brazil. I think the second time it was. And they decided the the people that land the aircraft in the tower, they decided to go on strike. They went on strike while I was on my trip. I was in the airport for 17 hours. Fulfilling the Great Commission. (laughs) So it's fun. It's really fun. It's a lot of fun. So I said, 
how do I make arrangements to get out? Well, you go out this way, and now we have the language barrier. It's fun. You don't, you haven't, you don't know the language. I don't even know what language they were speaking, whether it was Portuguese or Spanish or whatever more. But I couldn't find my way to get, get a, even get redirected to another flight or whatever more. But we spent 17 hours. I spent 17 hours. I was alone. My wife wasn't with me. It's fun. It's really fun to travel alone. And it's really fun not to know the language. And it's really fun to poke around for 17 hours while the people are sleeping on the floor. Oh, it's great filling the, fulfilling this, the great commission. Or packing a, a bag full of books. It's fun. It's a lot of fun. But when you look back on it, I wouldn't trade it for a million dollars. One soul is worth 10,000 worlds, and I believe it with all my heart. And when you sit here, and you sit in this building, and you sit here in this seat, and you hear the music... And you that are, you students that are, will go to the school and you walk into the school. All of this exists because of one thing. We've had a passion and I wish I could take you young people. I thought of you young men that are here. And I wish I could take what's inside of me and put it into your body. I wish I could just transfer the commission to you, the passion. Not because somebody's a preacher, you're not a preacher. I wasn't a preacher. I was just a young man. I just wanted to do anything, play the guitars as the brothers up here, or sing, or go to church, or do whatever we could do, possibly. But now at the end of the road, You wouldn't want to trade it for anything. Keep doing what you're doing. Keep pressing it as hard as you can. Keep that passion for the gospel of Jesus Christ. There is no gospel like it. There's no gospel like it. And even though you drive out, I said, we're driving out of our parking lot or out of our garage. I says, well, here we go again. I said to my wife, just driving out is a testimony and a witness that they'll have to answer to. They know we're going to church. They know that we're serving the living God. They know that. We don't have to go out and preach to them and tell them, we're living, you are living a testimony. And you are, because we have that passion, to give out the message and to send. This is a message. The message, the message is something that God has spoken. That's not our invention. He's spoken. And he wants it to prepare the people. And you were in churches and you were in places and you were wandering in the world. And, and in that state you could never, never come to into the bride the message was your invitation invitation to 
not only the bride, but the rapture to, to go and to get changed from this life into another one. And I thought that we needed to know that. Amen. You're not just sitting here in church, friends. You're not just enjoying a service. It's, that's not what it's about. And we get into these little things. Well, they don't believe just what we believe and whatever more. That's not our business. Our business is God's business. He sent a message and, and when we get it, get the feeling and get the, get uh, convinced and we get concerned and we send it out and when Brother Fabriano comes here his son works at a bank it's fun just works at a bank his son is a translator for him he doesn't speak any English Brother Fabriano and he said he's just an ordinary Man, preacher, first church I preached in in Brazil. And he said, my father would like to see you, Neville, his son said, my father would like to see you on, on Monday after the meeting. Said, okay, fine. So Monday we sit down and I sit across from this preacher and he says, <clears throat> I've gone many times to Mozambique. Now, Mozambique might not mean anything to many of you, but they're wonderful people in Africa, and they speak Portuguese. He said, I have been there many times, and I, I leave them and they're under a piece of cloth to keep out of the sun. But he said, of all the times I've been there, there's about 500 groups of believers and when I leave, I have no book to give them. Now that was, and a few years later, they said, please come and help us get printing started. So we went down, and Brother Tony Abma was here at the time, and he came down with me, and we tried to get them printing. So we set up a printing office and Bible believers of, of, they said, call it, well, I said, call it whatever you want, but just get it going. And then they, you know, they ground their wheels in the sand. And the fact is the brother that was asking had asked us to come the second time. What am I telling you this for? I'm telling you because it's part of, you're part of this. It's part of your work, part of your giving. All of this has gone to contribute to it. Sitting here on the platform right now is Brother John Andes. He's been in Phoenix. And part of this congregation is not here. They're still down there. What is it? It's a body of Christ. And even by their own presence and testimony, they're declaring there are people that stand for the truth. There are people that stand for this word. And believe me, friend, believe me with all your heart, please. They are in good condition. Amen. 
We may not be as young as we used to be in Brother Fabriano when he comes and you'll see him. I want you to look at him and say, there's 500 works. And there's a man who has a heart beating in him and is having a little heart trouble. But he has a heart beating in him that was aching when he had to leave those black people. He left them. And had no book to give them. And because he had no book to give them, he wanted to get the book started. And they were grinding their wheels in the sand and and just some, I won't say infighting, but, you know, petty little things. Who's going to do this and who's going to be the big one? Who's going to? It's just that has gone on forever. And he just hauled everything down. To his little town. I didn't even know about it. I didn't hear about it. He didn't whimper to us. He just went and started. And the next thing I got a picture. I saw a picture on my phone. And they're unloading books. In Angola. And Angola also speaks Portuguese. And I see it's a blue container. And and they're unloading 600,000 books. Here is a man that sat at a, in a little restaurant in Brazil and said, my heart aches because there's hundreds of works and a few people, 1,500, maybe a 1,000 people or a few hundred or a few people, just a few believers, a handful of believers, and I can't give them any book. And now... They're unloading these, so I call his son. I said, where did these books come from? He said, from here. I said, but did you get them from Voice of God? 600,000 books. And that was just when Voice of God was ceasing printing. I wasn't aware of it. And he said, no, 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 they come right from here. I said, Where did you print these? I'm bewildered. Where did you print them? He said, we printed them right here. You helped us get it started. We helped them get it started. We had anything to do with 600,000 books. We just come here and sing songs. We just come here and worship. and We just come here and listen to the preaching of the word. 600,000 books. I said, well, but they're Portuguese people, speaking people. Yes, he said, we we sent them from here. I said, did they come from America? No, he said, we printed them here. A few, just a few short days, a few short years. Was it worth 17 hours sleeping in a airport? Was it worth? Was it worth it? It was worth every minute of it. Amen. Was it worth all the traveling alone? It was worth every minute of it. Hallelujah. It's worth whatever we have to. It's called necessary dirt. Whatever we have to do, we have to do. But the message must get to the people. Amen. Hallelujah. God bless you, brother John. God bless you, congregation. Amen. God bless you. God bless you as you listen to the word today. Amen. 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 Amen.